welcome back to Hate Read. I'm Em. And I'm Anna. And every fortnight, we, one of us challenges the other to read a book that we think they will hate. Um, and so this week, it was my turn to challenge Em to read Skipping Christmas by John Grisham, I believe. Yeah, that's that's the title. Yep. And so the first question of our podcast, did you actually finish the book? I think this is the first time that one of us has asked that question and not actually secretly already known the answer yeah i really don't know if you've read the book or not (laughs) (laughs) if you've even started it (laughs) yeah i kept texting anna like this week being like haven't even started yet don't know if i'm gonna do this (laughs) might not read it who knows (laughs) um i did i did in fact finish the book when i said i'm out doing errands what i actually was doing was finishing this book Oh, good, good. So I finished it about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> Perfect. So it's and I'm a lying liar. <laughs> I mean, it was very short. I think my Kindle said it was only going to be two book, hours yeah. to read, which is pretty accurate, except for yeah. I kept not wanting to read it and putting it down. So I think it actually took me four days to read. <laughs> yeah, actually, when I started the book, here's the thing. I think of the books we've read, this is probably my favorite. Like, this is the book I've hated the least. Yeah, that's strange to call it your favorite. (laughs) (laughs) This is my favorite book, you guys. My favorite book ever. Um, No, I mean, like, I definitely see why, like, it would maybe seem like a book that I would hate a lot. But I mean, it was fine. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. It was just kind of, like, I wouldn't pick it out to read, but I, I, I didn't want to throw it across the room like I usually do when I'm reading one this, of these Yeah, books. I think this was a lot tamer. Um, it, maybe this was my Christmas gift to you. <laughs> because, again, to ruin the uh, illusion of our podcast, we're recording this about a week before Christmas. <laughs> but you won't hear it until Valentine's Day-ish. <laughs> uh, it should be end of January because the book that I pick is going to be right before Valentine's Day, which I took into consideration when picking this book. See, guys, we're getting the hang of this shit. So. <laughs> I wrote out a schedule, so I actually know when these are going up now. Maybe so. we should make a Google calendar. <laughs> we should. We should. We'll do that. <laughs> anyway. Look, this book isn't long. We don't have much else to talk about. <laughs> we, we're going to have some airtime to fill on this one. Um, but speaking of filling airtime, the thing that fills most of our airtime is describing what the hell happened in this Ooh, book. What uh, a segue. So, <laughs> yeah, I know that was good, right? <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> we're like, we're professionals now. Pretty much. This is our fifth episode. Oh. Like, come on, guys. No, yeah. sixth episode. Isn't this the sixth? This is our sixth. Yeah. Wow. That's half yeah. a dozen. I know, mm. right? <laughs> All right. Anyway. Um, okay. So this book is about a sociopath named <laughs> Luther and his sad browbeaten wife, Nora. <laughs> this is not uh, inaccurate. T- <laughs> I mean... <laughs> He's terrible. He's a terrible person. I He's kind of the biggest jerk. Yes. Yeah, he's he's the Grinch, Scrooge, every sort of eh, they hate Christmas, aren't they? Terrible sort of character, but without any of the whimsy mm-hmm. of those characters. So he just seems like the Grinch is in a, you know, magical world with who's and mm-hmm. all this other nonsense. So it it's I don't know, he gets more of a pass and then Scrooge has ghosts and stuff. So it's like this fantasy world sort of thing going on. This is very much real world. So it's just a guy who hates Christmas and then learns to not hate Christmas quite as much. I. It's just... Yeah, with the nice sprinkling of racism and yeah, misogyny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, which, okay. So the main characters are Luther and Nora Crank. Uh, this is the book that Christmas with the Cranks mm-hmm. is based on, as we discovered when, we, when Anna assigned this book last fortnight. So the two of yeah. them are dropping their daughter Blair off at the airport because she is going to Peru to work with the Peace Corps and teach young native children how to read or something. No, I don't know. What is she teaching them? Is it is it English? She's the Peace Corps. Yeah, but is oh probably. Did, did they ever say like English? Is that what she or like 
what her subject is? Just general? I think, yeah, I don't remember. All I remember is the disparaging comments they kept making about how the the dark-skinned people of Peru would not even, they don't even have calendars, so how would they even know Christmas would come and gone? Christmas. It was, yeah, it was very... It's very patronizing. Yeah. Um. So that was fun for everybody. But anyway, so they're dropping her off. And after they drop her off, they go to some grocery store called Chips. And Luther goes to pick some stuff up for his wife and complains about it in his internal monologue. And he can't find one of the things. And he comes back out. And he's It's just like demonstrating how terrible their marriage is. Yeah. And how terrible they are as people. And you're thinking, oh, maybe this will change by the end of the book. It doesn't. They still have a terrible marriage by the end of the book. And they're still terrible people by the end of the book. So I I don't really understand. Like, they don't learn or, you know, they, they're, there's yeah. like no character growth. They're just terrible. 100% yeah. 100% the way through. And they just got super lucky with nice neighbors. but Right, right. They have great neighbors. Well, actually, no, not really. Because their neighbors are annoying, too. Like, their neighbors are obnoxious okay we'll we'll get into that in a second yeah (laughs) but um so they go home he goes into work the next day or you know a couple days after i don't know exactly the time frame i was kind of skimming i'm not gonna lie (laughs) um yeah it's a lot of same same. yeah so he gets into work he works as an accountant at uh some firm the floor under his firm is home to a travel agency with a young lady named biff which is the first of many insane names in this book. (laughs) It's like, Biff, like, what? Is she the the bully from Back to the Future? Like, that's the only human (laughs) I've ever heard of named Biff. Wasn't your grandpa's nickname Biff? You know what? Screw you. (laughs) You're right. You're right. You're right. (laughs) Okay, sorry. My my grandfather was the bully from Back to the Future. No, he wasn't. He was a great guy. <laughs> you don't have to put that in the podcast. We might have to cut that. We'll see. <laughs> oh, so travel agent named Biff, man. Well, what a weird name. I never called him Biff. But again, he was a dude. Biff is a dude's name, right? Like, if you're gonna, yeah. And well, have... that's what I was picturing the whole time was like, yeah, grandpa. <laughs> But she's a hot lady, Apparently, which he's obsessed about because he's obsessed about every single woman who comes into his path. He has to make a comment about if they're hot or not, which is really fun for everyone. Um, yeah. So there's this travel agency downstairs. Biff gives him a you know, few brochures about cruises and such that he can take. And he decides that he will go on a cruise and they will not do Christmas this year. So instead of right. all of their Be- usual Christmas. Uh, because he had done, he'd gotten drunk the night before because his mm. yeah, his wife yeah. was super sad about their daughter leaving for the Peace Corps in Peru. And instead of staying up to comfort her, he decides to pretend to be asleep. Then sneaks out of bed, goes to get drunk in the basement, and calculates how much money they had spent on Christmas the year before. And the amount they had spent was $6,100, which kind of, like, what? That blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. I was I was shocked by that. I was like, how, how do you even spend that much money on, oh my god, like $6,000? And I mean... In one month's time. In one month. And I tried, I went through and tried to calculate my expenses for Christmas this year. And I was, like, trying to do the same stuff he did. Like, I counted, like, clothes that I bought for things. Like, I was like, okay, presents, uh, obvious one, decorations. I mean, like, I don't buy new decorations every year, so, yeah, you know. Uh, and then I was like, okay, well, like, I bought a new sweater for a play that I'm going to go see for, like, a Christmas thing. I guess I'll count that. But, like, even the most generous definition of christmas related spending i came up with around 500 i don't throw giant christmas parties which apparently he does so maybe that's part of it but i don't know i i just don't understand how anyone could spend six thousand dollars yeah it's crazy well and then like when you see his interactions with some of these people that come and ask him for money like well first it's like the people, the wedding, or sorry, the Christmas cards and Christmas party invitations are going to run like $400 for however many cards. And then they want to buy these fruitcakes for 
what was it, like $80 a piece for a fruitcake or yeah. a $70 calendar of the policeman. Like, it was just like, everything was so outrageously expensive, which I guess is part of the conceit of this novel is that they are all, you know, upper middle class people and they are all wanting to keep up with the Joneses. And so all of these well, things mean thing, like, a lot. But the thing with like the fruitcakes and the calendars and stuff, yeah, that's all expensive, but that was supposed to be... I thought it I mean it was very clear that that was just a charity thing that yeah you know so I'm like this isn't even I don't know cuz they they say that they agree to still spend the same amount that they spent on charity last year this year okay so we're getting we're getting a little ahead of yeah, the plot yeah. um, so so he goes to <laughs> to to talk to the biff <laughs> so he talks to biff and she sells him on this cruise and he goes home to talk to Nora and goes in with a plan of attack to how to get her to agree to skip Christmas this year. So he talks her into it, and they decide that they will go on the cruise, which is on the 25th, so it's noon on Christmas Day that it's leaving, and they mm-hmm. will not do anything Christmas-related, and they'll actually end up saving money because the cruise is around $3,000, so it's about half of what they usually spend. Uh, but they right. do agree that they will still give to charity the same amount that they did last year, which to me, most of the stuff that happens in the next bit where people are coming by and are like, oh, can you buy this thing or that thing from us uh, for this exorbitant amount? Like, that's obviously charity. No one actually yeah. wants the fruitcake. No one actually wants the calendar. You're It's just an excuse to give to charity. So I didn't really get that. I was like, well, you're you said you'd give to charity. So why aren't you paying this? policeman for the policeman charity like i don't understand yeah. i don't understand or like what the line tipping was the mailman because they yeah, have so which, much uh, more stuff to do which kind of that made me mad like they they totally so like mad. check out of all of the christmas tipping culture which in the u.s like yes we have a pretty shitty method of paying our waiters and other customer service employees um, and tips go a long way, especially around the holiday season. Like, that's not you ignoring Christmas. That's you, like, really affecting someone's livelihood in a way. Right. I don't right. know. It's like when people say, oh, I'm not going to tip because I don't believe in tipping. It, it's like, well, mm-hmm. the only person you're hurt, you're not affecting political change. The only person you're hurting is the person who has been helping you out for the last hour or whatever you know exactly so that was the moment every every book we've read pretty much there's been a moment where i'm like oh i hate this person and for luther it was <laughs> let me find it real quick because it was pretty early on oh mine with luther was when he pretended to be asleep when he obviously knew his wife was very upset and emotional yeah that was a little bit after this but uh yeah the the moment for me was when he's in the grocery store after dropping blair off at the airport and He's like his internal monologue is complaining about, oh, all the cashiers here are terrible. The sackers here are terrible. But then he thinks around Christmas, the sackers came to life with smiles and enthusiasm and astounding recalled the customers names. It was the tipping season. Yet another unseemly aspect of Christmas that Luther loathed. Like, fuck you, man. Come on. Yeah, just you can you cannot celebrate Christmas. But like, yeah, like you said, there's just so much. They, they, he's so adamant about not spending a single extra cent at Christmas time that he comes off as a huge jerk the entire season. Which I guess is the point, but it's also very yeah. difficult to read that. Especially with, like, again, this this got a lot of comparisons to Christmas Carol, which is obviously the big, you know, Christmas story about someone who learns about the Christmas spirit. But with <laughs> that, it works... It. Oh, I know, right? Charles who? Charles? Charles what? Oh. Is that the one with the Muppets? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, that is actually an excellent adaptation of Christmas Carol. Uh, it's probably recommend. the best of the Muppet movies. Yeah. But... It really probably is. <laughs> but yeah. So in Christmas Carol, like Scrooge works as a character because you get all of these glimpses into how he became this way and kind of other people's opinions. Whereas this, it's just unrelentingly Luther being a jackass with no real reason or explanation or really consideration for the effect it has on people around him. I mean, it's giving his wife an anxiety problem, clearly. Because Nora 
Nora is like about to have a breakdown the in- this entire book. She's on the verge of tears every time they have to tell someone new no. Every time she's about to cry. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and so the whole- speaking of Luther's like sociopathic tendencies, I think they really come to light in this scene where he's trying to convince Nora to go on this cruise because he has everything like eerily planned out. He's like, he picked up this yeah. reggae CD that he was going to time at a very specific moment in their conversation. And he was hoping that it wouldn't snow because if she saw the snow, she would get nostalgic for Christmas and something like he didn't, he did, or he Doesn't didn't want he- Blair to call for some other reason. Like, like he tries to plan this out to the most minute detail. So yeah, so he's just like planning planning this entire confrontation with his wife down to the most minute detail. And he's seeing it not as a conversation he can have with his wife, but as a battle to be won with his wife. Yes, like, absolutely. Not how you should communicate with your significant other. Right. Well, I mean, Nora is kind of like, I don't want to victim blame here, but... Luther is a terrible manipulative jerk, but Nora also is a spineless sad sack. So, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) they deserve each other. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so so they decide to give up Christmas, and there's a lot of little vignettes of them running into various people who either are trying to sell them something or want to know about their party or whatever, and that's essentially the next, like, uh, half of the book or so is just, and we can kind of get into this later if we want of just the various different um interactions they have with people who are like, oh, you're not celebrating Christmas, but why? I can't wrap my head around this. And mm-hmm. everyone freaks out. So, I mean, it's very repetitive. It's people come up and are like, oh, do you want to buy this thing for Christmas? And they're like, no, I don't want to buy this thing for Christmas. We're not celebrating Christmas. And everyone flips their shit. And this is this is my point about why I don't really think the neighbors are that good either. Mm-hmm. Because so with their neighborhood, they have this neighborhood tradition of putting a light up Frosty the Snowman on everyone's roof so that they can try to win the competition. Everyone between knows those inflatable different neighborhoods. Are so tacky. <laughs> right. They're so ugh, gross. Um, <laughs> but so like they're trying to which I don't think it was an inflatable, though, because they said they have to like stack it. So it's not one piece. They have to, yeah, because there's a whole thing about how they have to, like, take it out of storage and stack it up and it gets to seven feet tall and whatever, Uh, which is insane. Like, that's Oh, yeah. So they, the neighbors put up their Frosties and, of course, the cranks don't. And the neighbors are like, oh, my gosh, what's, what's going on? Why aren't they doing the Frosty this year? And they're like, well, we're we're going on a cruise, you know, on the 25th, so we're not going to do Christmas this year. And the neighbors just lose their fucking shit. They, yeah. <laughs> they, they're like all crying in the street about the fact that the cranks haven't put up <laughs> a fucking frosty the snowman. They start organizing these passive aggressive protests where they bring carolers to the cranks' house and have them sing on their lawn <laughs> late at night. Uh, it's insane. And I'm like, what would happen if a Jewish person moved to this neighborhood? What would they do? They would lose their fucking mind. Oh, yeah. Which they even say at one point, yeah, they say at one point, oh, there was a Pakistani family who lived here, but they moved away. And I'm like, yeah, of course they did because they didn't want to put up with this crazy, psychotic, cult-esque bullshit anymore. <laughs> this was crazy, which is why I'm like, yeah, the neighbors did a nice thing at the end, which we'll get to but like the lead up to that no there were no heroes in this book the neighbors were terrible too this is true i would hate to live in this neighborhood well, and even the police officers so there was two police officers that came around to like try and sell the calendars to them and when luther turns them down we get and a thing i hated about this book we got like a paragraph of a point of view from another character and it's the police officer who yes. is who says he basically wishes he had a reason to pull over Luther, <laughs> put him in handcuffs, and take him to jail because Luther did not want to buy a calendar from them. Even it's though insane. Luther said, hey, do you guys still do this other charitable event in the summer? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, okay, well, come hit me up in the summer. I will definitely donate $100 to that cause. Which... I mean, that also raises a lot of questions in that A, does, because he, that's the tactic he uses with a lot of them. The Boy Scouts try to sell him a tree and he says, oh no, but I'll donate in the summer to your school, your Boy Scout camping program or whatnot. Uh, The firemen, I think, show up at one point and try to sell him something. He says, oh no, I'll donate in the summer, which if he's counting these Christmas donations as 
part of his $6,000 that he spent. Mm-hmm. He's not saving any money because he's going to end up donating more money six months later. So yeah. I, I, didn't, I was like, why are you? You're clearly just doing this to prove a point then. So just donate the fucking money, man. Like, yeah. what's the point? You're just trying to you're just trying to prove something, which is annoying. And my other confusion was so this guy's an accountant. Don't you get to like write off charitable contributions on your taxes? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. But I don't guess you want those they're not that counting it as charity because he gets a fruitcake out of it or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh. it was very confusing. I am, and 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 this whole thing, this whole concept of we're canceling Christmas because we're going on a cruise on Christmas Day. Well. That's a lot of days between Thanksgiving and Christmas right. in which you can do Christmassy things. So, like, I would be more understanding to Luther if he were like, well, we're not going to, but we're not doing presents this year and we're not going to host our party, but everything else, sure, yeah. Or, like, you know, we won't send out Christmas cards, but we already own outdoor decorations. We can just put them up. But the thing that you're forgetting is that Luther is a grumpy old man Mm. who has got this idea in his head and will not let go of it. Yeah, he clearly hated Christmas from the beginning of this book and then just wanted to find a reason to trick his wife into not celebrating the thing he hated. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So they go on in this mode for a significant portion of the book. And then disaster strikes about halfway, well, a little bit more than halfway through. Uh, They get a call from Blair, the daughter, and she tells them she is in Miami on her way home for Christmas. And this is on Christmas Eve, the morning of Christmas Mm -hmm. Eve. So the day before Christmas, she calls and says, I'm on my way home. And I'm bringing my fiance, which, okay, well, (laughs) cool. Yeah, she's been Uh, gone for like three weeks, a month, maybe? Yeah, three weeks, and she's engaged. She's engaged to this man, a doctor, who she met in Peru. And he's not Um, very dark, as as Luther comments in the book. He actually is pretty pale. (laughs) Thank God. Thank Thank God. God. They were all very worried. They were very worried about, uh, which that line, that specific line, I highlighted and I was like, is this supposed to be satire? Because I feel like a lot of the book is kind of satire mm-hmm. or something. It, it's that sort of like satire where I'm like, I, I get that this is maybe tongue in cheek, but I don't quite know what you're making fun of exactly. Um, yeah. Like, are you making fun of the materialism of Christmas? Or are you making fun of the people who say they're above the materialism of Christmas? I don't know. It's not clear. Um, yeah. And I felt the same way about this. I was like, is is this included as sort of a oh, look again at how these isolated white folk are. Ha ha ha, aren't they so funny with their little slightly racist views? Or was that just a racist thing that was in this book? I don't know. I can't tell. It was, yeah, there was not (laughs) enough satire for me to be convinced it was. And, but there also was not enough gravity to this story for me to be convinced that otherwise. It was a very weird combination of the two and it didn't settle well with me (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was it was off-putting for sure um but yeah so Enrique and Blair are coming home for Christmas and Blair is like oh are you guys doing your party are you doing this and that and instead of telling their adult daughter that oh no sorry hun we uh decided to go on a trip this year so we're actually leaving you know Christmas Day, but you're welcome to stay at the house and you can catch up with the neighbors and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they decide that the best solution is to just lie to their adult daughter and be like, yes, we are having a party tonight. It's going to be a big blowout. We're doing all the Christmas things. Our house is so decorated. Mm-hmm. And Blair's like, oh, thank goodness. So they then start trying to get together a party at last minute's notice. And there are a few little hijinks about, you know, Oh, trying to get the tree and trying to get the decorations up and this and that. And Mm -hmm. eventually Luther, uh, while trying to get the frosty decoration on the roof falls off the roof and the other neighbors come and point and laugh at him. But then it is revealed that Blair is coming home and they all band together to put on a Christmas party at the very last second so that Blair can have a happy Christmas with her fiance yeah because apparently the entire neighborhood loves blair but hates her parents <laughs> so <laughs> i don't even think it doesn't even seem like they hate least. her parents 
I don't even think, I think they, they hate definitely the cranks. Hate I think Luther. they just. I, I know. Nora yeah, probably. Maybe is a little bit more. They're they're friendly. probably all over their dinner tables, like, oh poor Nora. Did you see Luther? You know, in a rage again, out on the front lawn about the frosty thing. He was just so red in the face. He, you know, you can tell even though he's been tanning that he was just getting red in the face. And poor Nori, like that's a hundred percent the conversation that's happening. I heard her sobbing in the kitchen tables. when we went over there to ask them for money. Oh <laughs> uh, man! So yeah, so they they band together. They throw the party. Blair never realizes that her parents were planning a vacation without her because I guess that would just upset her too much. They couldn't possibly tell her that. Um, and then at the last the last few pages of the book uh, is Luther decides he goes over to his across the street neighbor's house yeah. who there's been some conflict with in the book and his the neighbor's wife had been diagnosed with cancer and was given a very short time to live although we're not really sure because most of that is neighborhood gossip so who really knows but luther decides to give them the cruise that he and his yeah. wife were going to go on which is nice but also di- a it was super out of character I was, I was like, I, yeah. you haven't built enough character development for me to believe that this is a thing he would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and B, it also, it's a nice gesture, but he himself points out that if they don't go on the cruise, then it's just a waste of $3,000. So it's not really like he's giving anything up because they weren't going to go on the cruise yeah. at this point. Nora yeah. was adamant that they would not go on the cruise. So he's not really giving anything up. It's not a you know, oh, Henry short story over here where he gives them the cruise and they're like, oh, but we sold off our entire house to buy you floaties for your cruise. What? You know, it's it's not a gift of the Magi situation. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was very unusual because you don't even really think that Luther cares about other people's feelings as he's demonstrated in he this entire book. Many and times. I think like, when they first bring up that Bev Shield, the across the street neighbor, her cancer has come back and she only has six months to live. He's Nora totally is like, uninterested. Yeah. And Nora is emotionally uh, like she's visit. She's very upset. She's visibly upset. That's the word I was looking for. She's visibly upset, crying in public at lunch and talking about it in a hushed voice. And I, I, I didn't highlight it, but I believe the line um, paraphrased is that, Luther listened to her talk until he had enough and then abruptly changed the subject to their cruise. So like Yes. I'm like you're terrible. Yeah. Just the worst. So uh. I don't know. I guess hanging from the roof and having a near death experience was enough to shock some niceness into him. It taught him the meaning of Christmas, which is parties, I guess. Yeah, because I guess it's your daughter is the meaning of Christmas. Yeah. Essentially. Doing things to make sure that your kid has the exact Christmas that she wants, even though she's 23 years old and should be able to hear the words, sorry, honey, we have other plans without having a complete meltdown. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, maybe when they decided to go on this cruise, they could have just written a letter being like, hey, honey, we might be out of touch for these few days because we're going to be out of the country. Like, don't try and call us on December 25th or January 31st. Or December 31st holidays to wish us anything because we're not going to be a dad to answer the phone. It don't worry. Like just the whole, there right. was just a lot of irresponsibility with this cruise situation. <laughs> oh man. Well, that's pretty much the whole plot. Yeah. It, it was, was a very short book. It was easy, under 200 It was a short pages, book. It was easy to get tons through. Tons of dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually kind of brings us to at least my silver lining for this, uh, book which was um for me the thing that i kind of liked about this book was the dialogue that i felt Mm -hmm. like all of the dialogue was really snappy really catchy like it was like two lawyers in a courtroom arguing yeah which makes sense since that's primarily what uh what's this guy's name i always i keep forgetting john grisham (laughs) yeah i keep thinking patterson and i'm like no that's the wrong one um so like that's a lot of what Grisham writes is legal thrillers. And a lot of this felt mm-hmm. like all of the conversations felt like a legal thriller where it was two people with opposing ideology hashing it out and trying to prove their point. And that works really, really well in a legal thriller, but it does not work, at least in my opinion, 
in a book about Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> like, the stakes are not high enough for the characters to be talking this way. Yeah, no. So that was that was one of them. And then the other thing that I, I enjoyed about this book, which wasn't an, an actual, like, intentional thing that the author did, but it was very nostalgic for me of my own childhood in that a lot of what they were talking about, like was very aggressively 90s, early 2000s. Uh, mm-hmm. When they go to the airport, they walk Blair to the gate, which, you know, is very pre-9-11. And, yeah, I was uh, wondering about that. <laughs> yeah, so this, I so just close. looked it up. So this was published, this was published in, um, it was published in 2001, but November of 2001. So oh, it was probably so. written pre-9-11. Um, yeah. And obviously before all of the, you know, intense... The intense security measures. Yeah, because she called her parents from the yes. airplane. She was like, yeah, mm-hmm. there was, yeah, she called them from the airplane on the airplane phone That's that weird. takes credit cards, which is like a thing I remember vaguely from the late 90s. Um, but there was just a lot, the mm-hmm. <laughs> the one thing I thought was funny was uh, the Christmas cards, the guy who's like selling Christmas cards, and they cost $318. And you know that store absolutely is out of business now. There is no way that that store still exists. Oh, yeah. No, sorry. We're all on Vista right, like, these days. Like we're, none of us. I got a 60% off coupon. Right. <laughs> and I'm just like, it, it was just so, there was a lot of stuff that reminded me of like the 90s and kind of the times that I was growing up sort of. So it was... It was fun mm-hmm. in that way that I was like, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, uh, let me see. There's another one that I found. Uh, there's a lot of my notes on this that are just, I hate you, directed at Luther over <laughs> and over again. Also, why did they shower so much? I did not notice that. They hopped in the shower so many times. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> there was uh, one point. I, so on the the play, the note about the them escorting Blur to the gate, I wrote, oh, this is aggressively pre-9-11. And I wrote the same note mm-hmm. when Luther, uh, they're trying to come up with people to invite to their party. And Nora says on the phone, oh, hello. Yes, Emily, how are you? And Luther, his monologue says, Luther couldn't think of a single person named Emily. And I was like, that is aggressively pre-9-11 as well. Because by- <laughs> everyone is named Emily. <laughs> everyone now. is named Emily starting in the, like if you walked into a, a kindergarten classroom in the early 90s and said, Emily, like half of the girls in that class would turn around. And I know that being one of those girls, because that is why (laughs) I prefer to go by M now, because (laughs) any class I am in, there are just so many Emilys. So the fact that Luther can't think of someone named Emily, I'm like, that's dated. That is a dated reference. Yeah, as is the name Blair. Mm. All of the names in this were really weird. There was like, Docs was his secretary's name, like D O X. Oh yeah, D O X. I was what? What is that? And there yeah. was which went into kind of. Um, I was wondering where this is set because I was trying to figure it out and I could not figure it out. Because uh, yeah. the well, name they had a Kroger. So they had a Kroger, had and that's well. I looked it up, and the there are twenty. Mm, there are twenty states that Kroger is in, so it doesn't oh. narrow it down as much as you think. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, cause I was like trying to detective this shit. I looked at the name of the other grocery store that they visited, but I couldn't, I think that might've been when he made up cause the only yeah, place that, that was that like Trader was, Joe's light or something. Yeah. It was like Trader Joe's essentially, but it's called chips. So if anybody knows of a grocery store mm-hmm. called chips, that's like really bougie, please tweet at us and let us know because that might help us narrow yeah. this down. But yeah, the names all sounded very East coast, but yeah. there's actually not. Well, that and many... the wife is from Connecticut. Which, yes, at least we know it doesn't take place in Connecticut. <laughs> right. So it's not Connecticut. But we, I think we knew that because I don't think there are Kroger's in Connecticut. I think I looked that up. Because okay. there actually weren't that many. It's mainly like Ohio, Kentucky, Virginia, West Virginia. And then a little bit in the South, there are Kroger. Because uh, it started in Cincinnati, which I didn't know that Kroger is from Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which I was like, what? But yeah, so I, I couldn't figure it out. But I think maybe Maryland it might be Maryland, but I'm not sure. Maybe, because don't they, didn't they say something about the Baltimore? Let me see. Let me search the word Baltimore. I searched Maryland and I couldn't find anything. But No. No, no I was, I think I just made that up because I watched an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine today and they mentioned Baltimore. <laughs> That's Fair what I'm enough. thinking of. <laughs> 
I looked up where there are Kroger's. I looked up like the religious breakdowns of different areas to try mm-hmm. to figure out because they're like, <laughs> oh, they're Lutheran, they're Methodist, whatever. And also weirdly, anytime anyone's like, oh, you're not celebrating Christmas, are you X religion? The one that everybody jumps to is Buddhist. No one's like, oh, are you Jewish? Yeah. They're like, oh, are you Buddhist? And I'm like, that is a weird Buddhist? thing to jump to, to think that that's what they yeah. have, you know, I don't know. I guess, well, I guess maybe more people do convert from Catholic, like from Christianity to Buddhism, maybe, as opposed to, I don't know. I don't know. It was inconclusive, my uh, research. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so yes. it, was, it was like ambiguous, possibly Midwest, possibly Northeast town where it snows at Christmas time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but all of that aside, uh, what was your silver lining? For this book. I really loved the, um, like you mentioned before, the passive aggressive ways the neighbors would get back at the cranks. <laughs> like the caroling made me laugh forever. <laughs> Just yeah. imagine like 30 neighbors outside of your house screaming Silent Night. <laughs> nope, I love scre- that image. Screaming Frosty the Snowman. That was their favorite. Oh, yeah. Frosty the Snowman <laughs> because they refused to put up the snowman. Like they had a really big issue. With this Frosty the Snowman thing, because apparently their their neighborhood gets um, uh, judged based on the decorations of each neighborhood. And they had competing neighborhoods where every house had a candy cane or every house had a a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on on their roof. Um, And because Luther was the only house on the street that did not have decorations, there was a article in the newspaper about it <laughs> um they the neighborhood didn't even that. rank in yeah they did not even place in the decoration contest although and they had won the blue ribbon twice although let me say though they didn't place but the year prior they had two houses on the street that didn't have the frosties on them and they did get second place. So my theory is that the judges were not like, oh, one of the houses houses is missing a Frosty. Mm-hmm. Screw this neighborhood. They were like, mm, Frosty the Snowman again, I see. Well, that's not very original. <laughs> I'm, I'm really sick of this theme. <laughs> uh, my oh, name God. is Rudolph but- De Noel, famed house judge for Christmas time. <laughs> and this is just... This is <laughs> this this theme is so passe. I think Candy Cane Lane deserves the prize this year. <laughs> Snowman out, Candy Cane's in. <laughs> That's what the article headline should have read. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I I do think that them but... blaming Luther seems a little like it doesn't it doesn't quite add up because they had more frosties no. out than they had the prior year, and they did worse than they did the prior year. So. Yeah. Seems like I agree. that wasn't the issue. No. And the neighbors get so passive aggressive about this that first they like post signs in the crank's yard that are that's like free unused frosty for the whoever wants it. Um and they mail anonymous Christmas cards with Frosty the Snowman on them to their house. Like they that end up getting great. a whole kitchen drawer full of them by the that end was of the book. So good. <laughs> I really I was rooting for the neighbors and all this. <laughs> I mean, I was in the sense that they were I didn't think either side had the moral upper hand, but the neighbors were more mm-hmm. fun. It was an issue of They were more creative. It was an issue of lawful evil versus chaotic evil, and I mean, I'm going to go with chaotic <laughs> evil in that sense, you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it um they went to a lot of effort to to uh, annoy the cranks in the lead up to Christmas. <laughs> I applauded their efforts. I yeah. was down with the scheming. It was yeah, good. It, was, it was fun. It was the most fun thing in this book, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So did you relate to any of the characters in this novel? Did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, going back... Oh, yeah. I have, I have a couple I could stretch to, maybe, but... Uh... Not there was no one that I was like, yes, this mm. is me. The closest I got is kind of a stretch. It's it's a real stretch, and I'm probably reading into it way too mm-hmm. much. But I think my pick is Claudia. Is who? Claudia. Claudia. Yeah, exactly. Who's Claudia? <laughs> so Claudia, yeah, Claudia is a one-off woman who 
only exists very briefly in this story when Nora is going around and telling her friends about how she's not doing Christmas. Mm -hmm. And at one point, Nora goes to volunteer at a shelter for battered women. And one of the women volunteers with her, Claudia, uh, blurts out randomly. So Nora, no Christmas Eve bash this year. And Nora is like, just horrified that Claudia has brought this up in front of other people who some of them aren't weren't even invited last year and it's just so embarrassing to Nora and Nora is so upset about it and how could Claudia be so rude and I'm just like Claudia was just trying to make conversation you guys like, yeah Claudia dude, did nothing wrong innocent question Claudia, right, Claudia was just wrong. like oh maybe 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 I want to make other plans like I need to figure out if you're doing this party or not so I know if I'm going or not and it's really not her problem that Nora sometimes doesn't invite people and also Claudia is a good person because she's volunteering at a shelter for battered women so yeah good for her I I'm team Claudia team Claudia this book how about you (laughs) I um as you might know, Em, um, but our listeners I do think not. I know who you're going to say. I don't I think I know what you're going to say. I'm, can I guess? Yeah, go ahead and guess. Can I guess who you are? And if I'm wrong, I'm going to cut this out, but can I guess? Who is it? Are you Enrique? No, not Enrique. Not the only not the only person of color amongst a bunch of white people. No. No, I was going to say <laughs> you have that, to deal with your, one. I was going to say you have to deal with your in-laws. Oh. <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> and also, yeah, the only borderline person of color in this entire novel. Oh man. Oh gosh. No, that is not what I was going to say. I was <laughs> That's a good one, though. I didn't think about it that hard, though. <laughs> I was going to say, um, as, as you know, Em, and our listeners do not, I am very much a Slytherin at heart. <laughs> and so when Luther went to go get the Christmas tree from the Boy Scouts Christmas oh, yeah. tree, there was like one Charlie Brown tree left. <laughs> and the sign, the price on the sign had said $75 originally, but was crossed out and the price was all the way down to $15 because it's like five o'clock on Christmas Eve and this tree is, is but ugly. And Luther says, I'll take it. And the, <laughs> the Boy Scout troop leader immediately goes, $75. <laughs> and Luther's like, what? But it's terrible. And he's like, Mm, supply and demand supply and demand (laughs) i love that and luther tries to haggle with him and he's just like no it's 75 dollars and then eventually he pays 75 dollars for this awful like piece of garbage i didn't get into this bit too much but yeah he pays for this terrible jank christmas tree and they take it home and he's like no this will not do and then he ends up borrowing a christmas tree from one of his neighbors so he and this yeah. Little neighborhood boy down the street. for a ski trip. Yeah. So he and this little neighborhood boy down the street, like, have to go into the neighbor's house and get the tree and wheel it across the street and redecorate it. And it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> it's so dumb. Which, can we talk for a second? This is a family that goes out of town for Christmas every year, still celebrates Christmas. Right. Right. <laughs> In fact, they celebrate it on Christmas Eve. So that they can leave Christmas Day to go on a ski trip for a week. Like, it's doable, Luther. Luther, there are other options rather than burning Christmas to the ground. Yeah, maybe this year you just make each other Christmas gifts. <laughs> right, like, he's so annoyed with the materialism of Christmas. But there's there's options besides just not doing Christmas at all. Like, yeah, make each other Christmas gifts. Yes. Or just don't buy each other shitty gifts that you never use. Because that's one of the things when he's going through his itemized list of Christmas expenses and he talks Mm -hmm. about the gifts. He's like, Oh, a a cashmere sweater that he never wore and another cashmere sweater for Nora that Nora never wore. And I'm like, well then stop buying each other sweaters. Good God. Yeah. Get her, get it. So dumb. Get her a nice uh, gift certificate to the tanning salon. Yeah. Apparently she loved that. (laughs) Which, and that's another thing. So like throughout the whole novel, they are, Luther is kind of purchasing things here and there in preparation for the yeah. cruise. So he buys them a tanning package at the tanning salon. And he buys an outfit for himself to wear while he's in the Caribbean. But then he also, like, pressures his wife into purchasing the, this itty-bitty red bikini that she's so uncomfortable in. Right. But she wears 
to go tanning it because she's embarrassed which to go she, tan naked, which apparently is what Luther does, is he hops right in naked. She also hates tanning. She also, it's uncomfortable oh, yeah. and she sweats and she hit her head doing it the one time and doesn't really want to do it anymore. But she keeps going because Luther wants her to be tan for their vacation. Yes, and to wear this itty bitty red bikini which, that's not her style and that she's super I thought that in. was going to be the end of this book was that Luther would add up all of the shit he had spent money on to try to avoid spending money Mm -hmm. on Christmas and it would end up being more than Mm -hmm. Christmas. And he'd be like, oh, what a fool I was. But that never really paid off. They never were like, oh, hey, look at all the stupid shit Luther's bought instead of a Christmas tree. Which again, if you don't want to celebrate Christmas, that's cool. Like that's that shouldn't be a big deal also, which was another reason why I was like, the neighbors are insane because, yeah, I mean, if you don't want to celebrate Christmas, that's your prerogative. yeah and it's not really anybody else's business so that was also very frustrating and again i asked what would they do if a jewish family lived in that neighborhood they would just (laughs) they wouldn't know what to do with themselves they'd be like but i guess just commit hate crimes i think so i think literally that's what this (laughs) i think that's why the pakistani family left yeah their hoa is very strict (laughs) and I don't know. There were two things that I wanted to bring up that we didn't mention throughout the summary. First is the possible eating disorder that the cranks are developing in their journey to lose weight for the cruise. They are eating themselves to the point of starvation. Like they're having like a yogurt a day and maybe some carrot sticks or a salad made all of spinach and no dressing. At one point. Uh, Luther and Nora are, I think they call each other and they're like, oh, how many calories are you at? And the other one's like, oh, 300. And it's the end of the day. And I'm like, yeah, that's not okay, you guys. Yeah. And, and Luther at an, another point, he like almost, he, when they're trying to sell the fruitcakes, when the firemen come to sell the fruitcakes to the cranks. Oh yeah. Luther gets a whiff of one and is hit with a stab of hunger so badly that he his knees buckle. Yeah. And he has to, like, restrain himself from just grabbing the fruitcake and diving straight into it. You're These are not healthy habits you're developing, <laughs> Luther Crank. This, this, this is a serious issue. Yeah. Please eat something. It was pretty, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't really have much else to say on it besides that it was really messed up. Yeah. Like It was awful. And, and it wasn't... I don't know. Was that ever something that would have been funny to anybody? Like, that's not humor. I don't know. Again, yeah, I'm I'm like, I feel like so much. I don't know what parts of this book were supposed to be funny and what parts were supposed to be serious. It it was very yeah. confusing. Like the yeah, again, the, the neighbors pranking on him. That was good. That was fun. Mm-hmm. That was funny. But I feel like, yeah, like the eating disorder stuff, which I mean, they don't call it an eating disorder in the book, but it's an eating disorder. Um. Yeah, it seems like it's too serious to be a joke, but it's also never addressed. Much like the racism, it's it's not addressed, so I have to assume it was meant as a joke, but it's just not funny. I don't get it. Yeah, it was very matter-of-fact with the tone, and it was like, oh, Walter had lost 10 pounds and Laura had lost 9, and they had three bites of fish but laura was or nora was training luther to because i think you just called slowly. them walter and laura ah oh, shit where'd i come up with those names know. luther and nora walter. <laughs> oh. i'm just making shit up now just whoever who cares ever. yeah these guys you knew what i, I did but i had to call um, you out <laughs> oh man um and then the second thing that was like really weird and strange and never explained is at the end of the book when they decide to have the christmas eve party they're having a hard time finding people to come to the party like even even their reverend has found an excuse to back out of the party invitation i don't want to go to their party either but nora not laura nora (laughs) is at the grocery store and bumps into someone she swears she knows what was that and yes and she has this vague sense of, of of recognizing this man she invites him to the party and he's like oh you he, like he knows kind of where they live and she's like yeah let me reconfirm with you and then he shows up to the party and seems to know everyone there but only ever introduces himself as marty 
and he can somehow sing Peruvian Christmas carols and perform with Enrique, and he's the hit of the party. Everybody loves him. My theory... But they never explain... Was it supposed to be Jesus? (laughs) That's so much better than my theory. That is so much better than what my theory is. My theory was that um, he's a character from another one of Grisham's novels. Because you know oh, how sometimes, that, yeah, that could that, be. Like you know how sometimes authors who don't write series, who write single books, sometimes will like throw mm-hmm. in, "Oh, I know so and so," you know, um, as kind of like a, "Oh, shout out to my loyal readers." So that's kind of my theory is that he's a character mm. from another one of Grisham's novels, and we just don't know who he is because uh, we don't read his novels. But yeah, it was. Yeah, that's not maybe my it was Jesus. House. I don't know. <laughs> I thought, yeah, because like she felt so comfortable around him, and he was so good at talking to everyone and making them feel good and happy, and and just the the so much was focused on Nora, like vaguely recognizing right. this man, but not being able to place right. him. I was like, this is a Christmas book. Is this supposed to be Jesus? I don't understand. <laughs> I but hope it was. No one Jesus. questions his presence at the party whatsoever. So. Yeah. Just unexplained. And I don't know if they ever saw him again. No, probably not. Yeah. yeah, that was that was the only other thing that I thought we really needed to talk about. <laughs> I'm glad we did because I totally forgot about him. <laughs> uh, but actually, that kind of reminds me of... I'm doing so good at segues this episode. That kind of reminds me of the Ooh. book that I wanted to recommend as my Rather Be Reading this week. Um, mm-hmm. Because they're uh, talking about authors who sometimes reference their books within... Uh, other books um one author that does that and is also a humorist sort of author is um christopher moore who i've read a lot of his stuff Mm. and he has a book called the stupidest Mm -hmm. angel which is a christmas a short christmas novel uh humorous in nature much like i feel this book was intended to be and i haven't read it yet but i actually got it as a present last christmas and i was going to read it before Christmas this year. So that's the book that I would rather be reading instead of this one. How about you? Anything? Um, Originally, no. But when you said that, it reminded me of a Christmas book I liked because I don't really read a lot of holiday yeah, who does? novels. <laughs> yeah, that's that's weird to me. But um, I do really enjoy um, Terry Pratchett's Discworld series. Um, and again, speaking of characters being referenced throughout an author's body of work, though that is a series, but not all the novels yes. are super connected to each other. But there is a Christmas-themed novel called The Hogfather, which is their version of Santa Claus, um, has, I think, gone missing. It's been many years since I've read it. But Death, the figure of Death, the Grim Reaper, has to step in and be the Hogfather for Hog's Watch Night. I think, is it called Hogfather or Hog's Watch? I think, I think it's Hogfather, but I'm also... Hogfather. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I believe it's Hogfather. I, it's like the only book on my shelf that's covered by something else right now, and I don't <laughs> want to go and reveal it off my bookshelf. But yeah, I would highly recommend that book as well as the rest of Terry Bratch's Discord series. Cool. All right. So I think that wraps it up for this book, which means it is time for me to recommend a book to you. No. Are you excited? Are you excited? <laughs> Let me pull it up real quick because I got it. No, I, this part makes me so nervous. <laughs> One of these times you're going to recommend a crappy book. And I'm going to be like, oh, I already read that actually. <laughs> I don't think you'll have read this one. That good, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so when I was thinking about what book I wanted to do next, I originally was going to go in a very, very different direction than what I ended up going with. But like I mentioned at the beginning mm-hmm. of the episode, which may or may not have been cut at this point, but uh, I <laughs> went ahead and mapped out when all of our episodes would be released. So this, although we just did our Christmas episode, the next episode we record is going to be released right before Valentine's Day. So originally I wanted to do a historical novel of some sort, uh, but I didn't really want to do historical romance and I did want to do something Valentine's Day related. So mm-hmm. thinking of love, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> what do we love more than fan fiction? Oh, no. At least, at least our 13-year-old selves did. Um, so I went ahead and looked for books that were based on fan fiction. 
which there are a lot of, oh it turns out. Gosh. <laughs> what do they call it? Pay to publish? Or, uh, shoot, there's like a term they use for this where they just basically just copy and replace find all of the names yeah. in the book. Yeah. With made up ones. Um, I don't know if this is one of those. This was kind of a bigger series. At least the first books were. So mm. this series is well let me ask, have you heard of the author Anna Todd? I don't know. Let me let me see. No, I have not. I just looked up some books they did on <laughs> So Anna Todd was the author of the After series, which is a pretty well known fan fiction to real book series that is based on a fan fiction of one direction oh so what have you done (laughs) that was my first inclination to do that but it turns out those books are like 500 pages so we're not going to be doing the after series instead i know there's a lot of steps (laughs) there were a lot of steps to me coming to pick this book um so instead we're going to be doing nothing more which is the first book in the Landon series, which is a spinoff of the After series. So I believe it is still one of the One Direction boys, except the name has been changed. And it is pretty short. I think it's like 200 some pages long. So it shouldn't be too Mm -hmm. terrible to uh, commit to. I just pulled it up on Goodreads and the top three user generated shelves are contemporary, did not finish, and romance... (laughs) Great, perfect. Great, great. Why have you done this to me? <laughs> All right, I'm going to go ahead and uh, read the God. read the synopsis of this book. New York's skyscrapers and hectic pace are a far cry from where Landon Gibson grew up, and the transition to New York University has been jarring. But he's getting the hang of things, found a job that pays some of the bills, enjoys school, and only occasionally runs into his ex, Dakota. You know, the one he chose NYU for before she dumped him. Luckily, his best friend Tessa shares a terribly small Brooklyn apartment with him. And given the ups and downs she's had with her own ex, she's a good listener when he finds himself in something of a love triangle. A love knot? Whatever it is, it's a mess. An exciting mess. Maybe an addicting mess. Because beautiful girls. (laughs) Yep, that's a sentence. (laughs) Being young and finding your way in the world is hard. Landon's always been a positive person, but such a loud, demanding city so far away from home means you only get by with a little help from your friends and a good pair of headphones. Mm. So yeah, so that's going to be our Mm. next book. Um, I can already tell you the chances of me finishing this book (laughs) are very minuscule. (laughs) All right, so I will pay close attention when reading so I can can do the synopsis if need be. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, my God. I don't even... (laughs) No words. No words for this. I didn't even know that you could publish fan fiction written about real life people. Well, you can't on fanfiction.net. And I remember this specifically because when I was a youngster uh, and was on fanfiction.net, it used to incense Mm -hmm. me when people would write fan fiction about real people and mm-hmm. i would report them every time and sometimes i would go on reporting tyrants <laughs> where i would just go through and try to find all of the fan fiction based on boy bands and report it uh because at the that's now hilarious. to be fair maybe they have changed their rules since i was on it back in the day um the other one that really annoyed mm-hmm. me was when people wrote uh fan fiction based on the princess diaries movie series and submitted it under the princess diaries book series tag oh, that was very frustrating so i reported so a lot of those frustrating. Too. <laughs> if, 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 if you were a fan fiction writer Man. in the early 2000s who got their shit pulled off of fanfiction.net because you were writing joe slash clarice on uh, the princess diary tag that was me probably sorry about that <laughs> I can just imagine how indignant you were as well about it. Oh, I was so annoyed. Everyone knows the books are better than the movies. It wasn't even that the books were better than the movies. It was just that there was a separate tag for those to be. There There was a separate tag for those. And they could just go have, because Joe was not a character in the books, you guys. Okay? Joe was not a character. (laughs) Precious. All right. So that's about it for this week's, or 
week. I keep saying week. That's about it for this fortnight's episode. You guys can contact us on Twitter at HateReadCast. Uh, you can also email us on Gmail, HateReadCast at gmail.com. Um, so make sure you guys tweet at us if you have any leads for us as to where this book takes place. Uh, also, tweet us if you have any suggestions as to what book we should read next. Remember, we are trying to pick books that we haven't already read, so although we think we'll hate them, we're not sure. So if you guys have a book that you think that we will surely hate, send that uh, our way, and we might read it on the show. And thanks to Ben Cope for our brand new theme song. It's amazing, and we both love it, having not been able to stop listening to it. Um, we have a link to his YouTube channel in our show notes if you want to go check him out. In the words of John Grisham, if he'd face down the Boy Scouts, then who should he fear? <laughs> thing with the atheist homeschooling their children and locking them in the basement what was that about i totally forgot about <laughs> what, what that. was that all about that was weird that was weird right i have no it was like a cult i think <laughs> it must have i been, don't know right? that was weird